Polls are showing that a majority of Americans now favor impeaching President Donald Trump and removing him from office. But Republicans, for the most part, are unmoved by the charge that Trump pressured a foreign government, Ukraine, to investigate a political rival, Joe Biden. Today, I'm going to talk with Gary Abernathy, who is among those Republicans. He's a former editor of the Hillsborough, Ohio Times-Gazette and a columnist for the Washington Post. And he previously worked for Ohio's Republican Senator, Rob Portman. The Democrats' impeachment inquiry, Abernathy has written, feels frivolous and political, not solemn and historic. And later I'll interview CQ Roll Call reporter Catherine Tully McManus about the GOP's protest this week in a hearing room where lawmakers were taking impeachment testimony. Well, welcome to the show, Gary. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for inviting me. So, Gary, why does this impeachment inquiry feel to you frivolous and political? Mm. Um, I think it's because, again, um, number one, how how strictly partisan it, it is so far, uh, especially when you're comparing it to the most recent ones with, you know, Clinton and Nixon. Um with with Nixon, there was uh, uh, you know a long investigation, both by Congress and in the media, on kind of the singular topic of Watergate. And um, in this case, it's like well, there was a long investigation about Russia, but but now suddenly Ukraine popped up, and. Um, uh, you know that's been like like a waterfall, like an avalanche. And I think Sean, it's it's you know it appears that way. The problem for the Democrats is that they've been talking about impeaching President Trump really since before he took office, and so it's been a three-year. It can come across as a three-year investigation in search of a crime, and so it's like okay, we we finally found something. And this is going to do it. So, Gary, you read the transcript of the call between Trump and the Ukrainian president. Mm -hmm. And that's the basis for this impeachment inquiry. And you mm -hmm. did not you did not see in that a quid pro quo, as they say. Trump saying, I will not give you military aid if you do not investigate Joe Biden. You did not see that there. I, well, I don't see it because I don't think it's there. I, I don't think anybody could actually read the words. You have to you have to engage in a you know let's connect two or three dots uh, uh, scenario to to get there. You can mm -hmm. you can do kind of what Adam Schiff did in his hearing where he kind of paraphrased the whole That's thing. That's the intelligence committee chairman. Exactly, and and said let me paraphrase this call for you, and then he went into his whole <clears throat> you know Godfather Mafia. Uh, analogy. Well, you can take any conversation and do that. And again, Sean, you know, frankly, I'm not, I'm not defending Trump as much as I think as a journalist just trying to say, let's look at the facts and don't try to don't try to create facts beyond the facts that exist. Mm -hmm. um, the word, the word, the phrase itself, quid pro quo, is being made lately as though that in and of itself is a is a crime. You know, quid pro quo it means, you know, it's almost every deal, whether it's private 
governmental between nations includes a quid pro quo. Right. You make a good point there. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if, say, Trump did condition the 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 military aid on Ukraine investigating Joe Mm -hmm. Biden, would Mm -hmm. that be impeachment worthy in, in your view? Well, again, it's not really investigating Joe Biden, is it? It's investigating this uh, this firm that Hunter Biden worked for His son, that had already son. been investigation, which is, which is a different thing. But I, I get the connection. I'm not going to go so far as to say, yes, that's not an implication of, of will harm Joe Biden, too, in the process. But this Burisma company uh, corporation had already been the subject of an investigation. It wasn't like out of the blue to say, you know, we think you need to dig deeper in that. And, you know, again, a lot of things I read in the media are disconnected. When when Trump says, I need you to do me a favor, a lot of folks in the media jump directly to the Biden. Well, that's not what the transcript shows that, that Trump was immediately referring to. He wanted them to keep looking into the stolen emails, right? I mean, that's what he follows. I need you to do me a favor. The The servers and all this that Ukraine's alleged to have had a part in. So... I just, I, I here, here's how I look at it, Sean. Let's say the House impeaches, which I think it almost certainly will, and then this goes to the Senate. You've got to have testimony, you know, in the Senate at least. Trump will get to legally defend himself, and almost every one of these instances that they talk about quid pro quo. Again, I wouldn't mind that phrase if they would proceed it with he's being accused of an illegal or an unethical quid pro quo. You know, just to point out quid pro quos and themselves aren't aren't wrong. But they're going to have to convince at least 20 Republicans in the Senate against the evidence that will presented, be presented by the president and by the Trump team, where there's a perfectly uh, legitimate uh, corruption angle that every one of these uh, alleged statements or alleged asks outside of the transcript, you know, with the testimony that's been coming before Congress lately in the House, Everyone can be explained by we're just trying to make sure Ukraine is rooting out what is really what really has been well-known corruption there. So Republicans in the House are complaining about the process. We had this protest this week where about 30 House representative Republican representatives went down to the impeachment hearing room, which is a closed room and and held a protest. And they're saying the impeachment inquiry should be held in open session, not behind mm-hmm. closed doors. Does that resonate yeah. with you? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, again, the Democrats' biggest challenge is to convince Americans this is not strictly a partisan effort to overturn the 2016 election. And as I mentioned, number one, they have a tough time doing that because it's all they've talked about for a lot of them for three years is we're going to impeach this guy. And And number two, now that they're actually doing this impeachment inquiry, it's still just been a partisan controlled effort. Yes, Republicans on those committees are allowed to sit in, but uh, you know, I hear and read the Democrats keep saying, well, we're, we, you know, as soon as we do our investigation, then we'll open it up. Um, I, don't think, I don't think that eventually plays well. So a lot of folks are saying, well, the Republicans are uh, arguing process because they can't argue the facts. They can't argue the charges against the president. Well, you know, what are those facts and what are those charges? I mean, all there really is right now but is, is to object to the process, which 
you know, again, everybody understands that the Constitution's rather vague on how impeachment could be carried out. The Democrats can say, well, there's no direction for this. But compared to how Nixon was done and how Clinton was done, really beginning with a, a vote of the whole House, uh, I think it does, you know, it, it does raise uh, certain questions and it kind of delegitimizes how the Democrats are carrying this out. Right. You mentioned a vote of the House. The, the Democrats have, have refused thus far to hold a vote in which they would officially begin the inquiry and Republicans have pressured them to do so. So you, Gary, you live in Ohio. You're a former edi editor of a newspaper there. Uh, Ohio's a perennial battleground state. Are your are your friends and neighbors following this? What are they saying? Um, yeah, they're following it. But again, and I've written about this. I live in southern Ohio, Sean, where uh, Fox News is probably um, you know the dominant uh, uh, news information source for folks around here. I wrote a column just recently about how I do encourage people to turn the channel and you know and watch the other channels and read all the sources from the Washington Post to the New York Times to really get a, a fuller picture. I mean, I've, I'm glad Fox News is there because there are so few outlets that I think aren't just on this, uh, you know, Trump, anti-Trump bandwagon. But um, but they're, they're following it, but honestly, I haven't seen anything that really resonates with people. I mean, people here, and again, Southern Ohio is different than Northern Ohio. That's why Ohio is kind of a swing state. It's it's a very diverse state politically from north to south. But right now, it, I think people just strictly see it as a, as a partisan, you know. Yeah, as Trump and, would say and, witch hunt. Mm -hmm. In your in your column uh, for the Post, you you dismiss the idea that we in America are on the verge of some sort of civil war. But you oh, also right. want, you wondered at the same time whether it's possible anymore to call us one nation indivisible. Do mm -hmm. you see do you see Democrats as to blame for that? No, I don't. I think that uh, honestly, I blame uh, our divided media, um, particularly on the cable news side. Uh, the cable news networks have made a commercial decision, a, a, in other words, an economic decision. Um, because they've seen that uh, straight down the middle of the road news doesn't garner a lot of viewers. And so uh, being very partisan one way or the other uh, brings in these loyal bases, which results in bigger audiences and more and more you know revenue. And so then what happens is uh, the viewers just become more partisan. You know, it's like this vicious circle and and it divides us a lot. And so Cable news is kind of the most visible um, example of that, but too many of our even newspapers and, and other media um, seem to adopt, you know, the left or the right as their audience or as their as, as who they're going to cater to, and and that's a powerful divisive force. You know, I really I argue all the time for needing more down the middle of the road detached journalism. You know, that's what we used to have, and we don't have that so much anymore, Sean. Detached journalists who will just tell us facts, uh, report what's going on, and truly let the viewers make up their own mind rather than uh, this reporting that's followed by three hours of commentary telling us what to think. Gary, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much, Sean. Anytime. You're listening to CQ on Congress. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast app. 
I'm going to turn now to CQ Roll Call reporter Catherine Tully McManus, who covered the Republican protest this week on the Hill about the impeachment inquiry. Welcome, Catherine, to the show. Thanks for having me. So, Catherine, you're up on the Hill. You've been you've been talking to lawmakers uh, this week, and you witnessed the protest of House Republicans at the impeachment inquiry. What happened? Yes, I was there. Um, this was not the first time that they staged a protest, but this was definitely the biggest and most impactful version that they've done. Uh, what they did is they gathered uh, over a dozen members, uh, close to 20, maybe more members together of the Republican conference. Uh, they did a small press conference, and then they proceeded into the suite of secure rooms where the Intelligence Committee and the other impeachment committees uh, have been working on depositions and interviews. Um, Part of that suite uh, any member can go into, but the room in which the deposition was about to happen with uh, Laura Cooper from the Department of Defense, uh, they were not permitted in there because they were not on the committees of jurisdiction. Uh, And that is a House rule for depositions. The chairman can set those rules. Um, And they were at risk of violating House rules. And what we do know is that they definitely violated some national security protocols for those secure rooms, including bringing cell phones in. Um, It's called a SCIF, a Sensitive Compartmentalized Information Facility. They have them at the Pentagon. They have them in many different national security buildings. and bringing a phone in is a huge violation. Um, and that is something that uh, many members, including Republicans, are concerned about, that it, it went that far. Okay, so who was involved? What specific lawmakers were leading this? It was led primarily by uh, Minority Whip Steve Scalise of Louisiana and Matt Gates. Uh, Matt Gates has now done this a few times where he has tried to get into this secure room where they're holding depositions and has been removed. Uh, He has also uh, attempted to see transcripts that he is not yet eligible to read from the depositions. Uh, He has actually gotten more than one ruling from the House parliamentarian to confirm over and over again that because he is not on the Intelligence Oversight or Foreign Affairs Committee, that he cannot be privy at this point in the impeachment investigation to these depositions. He is on the Judiciary Committee, and that is what he is holding on to and truly believes that because the Judiciary Committee is where articles of impeachment would originate, that he has the right to see this information. Uh, That is not what is currently in House rules. So explain a little bit for our listeners, what is Matt Gaetz's Beef and the other lawmakers, including Steve Scalise, one of the top GOP leaders. So this this protest went right to the top. What is their concern about the way Democrats are proceeding with their impeachment inquiry? Yes, um, it is important to note that their primary issue that they're raising is how the proceed, how the investigation is proceeding, not with the president's conduct on its face value. Uh, they're taking issue with. Uh, the rules that the committees have set and uh, whether or not the transcripts are being released and whether or not members from other committees can access uh, the depositions and the transcripts. And they're saying they would like every um, morsel of this investigation to be open to the public. 
uh, they would like this to be aired in a public way. And that argument is an interesting one because we have seen an impeachment increase in the past. There has been, usually been a special prosecutor investigation proceeding in the impeachment inquiry, which special, as we saw with um, the Mueller investigation, all of that was very, very private before the report came out. There were very few leaks. We did not know too much of what Mueller was working on before we got that report. And that is what and that is what now Democrats are right. That's what mm -hmm. Democrats are likening this to is this is the investigation stage. You don't want the person who is scheduled, say, next week for a deposition to be able to read the transcript or hear on TV what the depositions this week included because they could tailor their testimony either to support or contradict those other people involved uh, depending mm -hmm. on political motivations there's also is a concern um, that i have heard from house democrats on those committees that opening up these to even a wider swath of members of congress um so many are so closely allied with the president that there's a concern of leaking information in that direction towards the White House to prepare other people to testify. Inter a very interesting debate. So you had another Republican representative this week come at this from a different perspective, Francis Rooney in Florida. He says he supports at least the idea of an inquiry, at least the fact gathering that is going on, if not impeachment and removal of President Trump. And Rooney pretty quickly thereafter said he was retiring from Congress. He wasn't going to run for re-election again. Is his sentiment, do you get any sense that there it's more widespread, that other Republicans are coming around to think of this, at the inquiry at least, as justified? Um, I am hearing mostly frustrations with the process, um, but I also am hearing from Republicans not necessarily that the inquiry is justified, but that they are not trying to halt the inquiry itself. That is not what the protest was about this week. They were not trying to end the deposition of Laura Cooper. That was not the goal. It was that they wanted access to it. They wanted to see what was going on. Um, something that is interesting this week, Rooney did not vote. There was a vote on whether or not to hold intelligence chairman Adam Schiff to a censure in the House. Um, and Rooney did not appear for that vote. He's the leader of the inquiry, and the Republicans want to censure him because of the way he's handling it. Yes, and Rooney did not. Uh, we were all waiting in the chamber to see how would Rooney vote on this issue, and he um, he did not vote. <laughs> uh, so he was not Cooper, showing you his cards. You mentioned Laura Cooper a couple times. She is uh, a Defense Department official who works on Ukraine affairs. Do we know mm -hmm. what she said in this uh, in her deposition? We do not know too much about what Cooper said in this deposition. Uh, what we know much more about what Taylor said in his deposition earlier in the week, which really laid out in detail. Um, he's he, William um, Taylor. He's a he's a State Department official. Yes, who has been previously the ambassador to Ukraine and is now back as the top uh, U.S. official in Ukraine, um, diplomatic. And he really laid out in an opening statement in extreme, extreme detail, a timeline in which he realized that there was two 
different paths of diplomacy going on, one, the regular State Department channels, and one that heavily involved the president's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, um, and that the concerns that that raised for him and some of some phone calls that really raised alarms for him about uh, U.S. influence in Ukraine. All right, Catherine, thank you so much for filling us in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. I'm Sean Zeller. The producer of this show was Michaela Rodriguez. Please subscribe at your favorite podcast app. CQ on Congress is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. We'll see you next week.